Hey, it's Danielle. Would you like a $50 Amazon gift card? Here is how you enter a chance to win. Right now, Failing Motherhood is turning four years old, and it's almost Mother's Day, so we're doing an annual drive for ratings and reviews, which are huge for search rankings, for potential listeners to find us, and for them to size up the quality of the podcast. So if you have been enjoying Failing Motherhood, whether this is your first few times listening or you've been here the whole time, I'm offering extra incentive to put in a quick two to three sentence review inside Apple. When you leave yours, screenshot it and then send it to me over Instagram DM or email. And I am going to give one listener that leaves a review a $50 Amazon gift card on Mother's Day. We have some really exciting failing fatherhood episodes coming up. So please follow the podcast if you haven't yet and leave that rating or review so that more moms and more parents know they are not alone if they feel like they're failing their child on a daily basis. We need each other and I'm so grateful you are here. Even though it was smooth, so much of the work of pregnancy was internal for me, learning to release that control learning to attune myself to a new person who is about to be in the world and learning to release my grip on perfectionism, which of course, once you bring the baby home, it's a whole new lesson in releasing that perfectionism. Ever feel like you suck at this job? Motherhood, I mean. Have too much anxiety and not enough patience. Too much yelling, not enough play. There's no manual, no village, no guarantees. The stakes are high. We want so badly to get it right. But this is survival mode. We're just trying to make it to bedtime. So if you're full of mom guilt, your temper scares you. You feel like you're screwing everything up and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud. This podcast is for you. This is Failing Motherhood. I'm Danielle Batman. Each week, we'll chat with a mom ready to be real, sharing her insecurities, her fears, her failures, and her wins. We do not have it all figured out. That's not the goal. The goal is to remind you, you are the mom your kids need. They need what you have, you are good enough, and you're not alone. I hope you pop in earbuds, somehow sneak away, and get ready to hear some hope from the trenches. You belong here, friend. We're so glad you're here. Hey friends, it's Danielle. Thank you for listening to Failing Motherhood. And thank you to everybody who joined me last week for the Calm Mom, Calm Home Masterclass. It was so much fun. I got so much positive feedback of um, everyone having amazing days parenting last Friday uh, because of the tips that I shared. So that is so exciting for me. And uh, if you haven't heard yet, And if you're listening to this in the future, I apologize because this is time sensitive, but my, the doors are open for a brand new coaching program that I am starting called Wholeheartedly Calm. And I am so excited about it. It's going to start April 5th in 2021. And it is 11 weeks of mastering positive parenting tools while also 
going through baby steps of decluttering to be able to simplify and live with less with kids because our sanity is so interlinked with our space and uh, what we see is what we feel. And our kids just have too many toys, let's be honest. So we're going to tackle that while understanding the why and the how of some of the most uh, culture-shifting, game-changing parenting strategies for positive parenting that I feel like everybody needs to know. And up until now, I've only worked one-on-one, but now I'm starting a group program just for moms. And I cannot wait to see who says yes to themselves and to their kids and who joins me for this opportunity. And I'm just going to give all out coaching advice in like the most intense uh, container and see a super accelerated transformation in three months. So the more about this program will be in the show notes. Um, if you are listening to this later, it will be at parentingwholeheartedly.com slash group. And I, I cannot wait to get started And if this is something that you need, do not hesitate to reach out and um, ask for more information and join us. So if any of your goals in 2021 are to extend your patience, find more clarity and confidence in your ability to use positive parenting strategies effectively, go through your child's toys, books, special items, and more with a plan and support. Find answers to clutter conundrums with the support of community of like-minded moms. And finally, be able to give yourself grace and feel like a good mom. Then join us. It is going to be so much fun to do it in a, a small community where we just get to cheer each other on and celebrate our wins and share ideas. And I feel like that is how motherhood should be experienced, right? So parentingwholeheartedly.com slash group for more information about that opportunity that will be starting April 5th. And I really, really, really hope that you say yes to yourself and say yes to your kids and give them the gift of a patient parent and um, and make this investment in your parenting journey. So today I'm going to be talking to Brittany Bergman and we talk a lot about her experience of becoming a mother that she wrote in her book but also um, how she discovered her intuition and how she wrestled with her perfectionism and uh, the advice that she has for either first-time moms or um, moms that are still finding their feet when it comes to being able to set boundaries and stand up for their kids and and really feel confident in their parenting. She is still on that journey, but she has a lot of wisdom to share. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode if you struggle at all. I mean, let's let's be honest, we all do uh, with perfectionism. And I think it's really going to be balm for your soul. Listen to the end because um, I feel like it really, really gets good when when I give her kind of the, the platform to speak her mind. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Failing Motherhood. My name is Danielle Bettman, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Brittany Bergman. Brittany is an author whose goal is to provide connection to moms who don't want to lose sight of their identities as women. 
A storyteller at heart, she invites women into her life and wants them to feel seen and known through her words. Brittany is a mom of two kids, Selah, who's four, and Eamon, who's one, and has been married to her husband, Dan, for seven years. She's the author of the book, Expecting Wonder, The Transformative Experience of Becoming a Mother. By day, she's a copy editor of nonfiction books at a publishing house. Welcome, Brittany. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I am really happy to be here. So have you ever felt like you were failing motherhood? Most days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. From, you know what? I felt like I was failing motherhood even at the beginning of pregnancy. So. Yeah. Starts early. It does. Welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us more about uh, what led up to that feeling then. How did, who were you before you got pregnant? Before I got pregnant, I, and I, of course, I still struggle with a lot of these things, but I was perfectionistic. I was very driven and ambitious and always in control. Self-discipline is one of my favorite things. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I am a type one. So I am not in a good way, like a bit too (laughs) self-disciplined. And I just cling so tightly and so rigidly to the way I think things should be and the way I think other people should be. Mm. And so that is like a curse. Yeah, it really is. It is. It is my curse. And so pregnancy was very much for me, the beginning of this journey to realizing that I'm not the only one here. I'm, I'm literally not the only one here in my body right now. Mm -hmm. And learning that I am not as in control as I want to be. And I'm not usually as right as I think I am. That sucks. Yeah, it does. (laughs) So what was your pregnancy like, your first one? My first pregnancy was remarkably smooth. I Mm -hmm. really loved being pregnant. And it was hyper-planned, as you might guess. I really wanted to start having kids before my husband did. We hadn't been married all that long, like maybe a year and a half when we thought we would start trying. And I was so caught up in my timelines and my anxiety about not being able to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. I had been tracking my cycle for years and years, knew that it might take us a while to get pregnant, knew that I might be more likely to miscarry. And so Mm -hmm. again, just me clinging to that control, I kept pushing him like, can we try just a little sooner? Can we try a little sooner? And he was adamant that no, we're going to stick to the timeline we agreed on. And at the same time, most of our friends were already parents. And so Mm -hmm. it felt like, well, sure, our lives are going to change. But we're already in this transitional phase with our friends that like, well, why shouldn't we just be parents too, right? Like, we're already sort of reacting to their life change, (laughs) we might as well make our own. And so again, that was another lesson in learning to sort of acknowledge that I was not the holder and the keeper and um, that I was not responsible exactly for um, only myself and having to take this other person into account who would also be going through a pretty remarkable transition. So ultimately, we stuck to the timeline. We started trying with the start of a new year in January, and I got pregnant much faster than I expected. I think it only took two or three months. And From there, it was mostly smooth. I had a ton of fear 
especially early on when you're not really telling many people and Mm -hmm. the chance of miscarriage just, I feel like it just looms in your head. You know, I overanalyzed everything, every little feeling of pain, every time I was too nauseous, every time I wasn't nauseous anymore. And Mm -hmm. it was especially hard when I started bleeding around eight weeks Mm -hmm. and It was a Sunday, of course, couldn't get in touch with my doctor. And it just felt like everything I had feared and feared and that had just consumed me for weeks since getting that positive pregnancy test. It felt like all of that worry had been for nothing because clearly I wasn't in control anyway. And um, I was just devastated. And I ended up going to the doctor. Everything was okay. I was bleeding out something called a subchorionic hemorrhage, which is actually, for the most part, no big deal. But that that was incredibly challenging to, yeah, come face to face again with my lack of control because I wanted more than anything to save that pregnancy and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, everything was okay, but it wasn't because of me <laughs> that it was okay. Right. It wasn't something um, you did. Yeah. And so I would say I was the hard the hard part of my pregnancy, everything else was pretty smooth. I wasn't terribly sick, just a little bit. Everything else progressed well, um, so well that I went to about 42 weeks uh, before I was induced. So yeah, I would, I would say that even though it was smooth, so much of the work of pregnancy was internal for me, learning to release that control, learning to attune myself to a new person who was about Mm -hmm. to be in the world and learning to release my grip on perfectionism, which of course, once you bring the baby home, it's a whole new lesson in releasing that perfectionism. Part two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Level uh, 202 course. Right. Yeah. So what did early motherhood look like for you then postpartum? It was so foggy as it is for, I think, so many women feeling like just recovering from something physically that my body had never been through before feeling like I just ran a marathon got hit by a truck in my lady parts (laughs) (laughs) and now this new human is depending on me around the clock and not feeling confident that my body would heal that I would ever feel normal again that you know when you're in the thick of it it feels like oh well this is what it's going to be like forever and ever especially Mm -hmm. because so many people tell you in advance you know, you'll never sleep again. You'll always be picking off the scraps of your kids food. Like you'll Mm -hmm. always be exhausted. And on some level, like, yeah, I have been really tired since I became a mom. But it was actually going through it the second time I think that I saw, oh, wow, so much of this early stuff goes really fast. The sleeplessness passes and the breastfeeding goes from 12 to 20 times a day down to six and then four and then all of a sudden they're weaned and Mm -hmm. I think just seeing living it living through it a second time made me appreciate how fleeting those moments are which is like the worst thing that I could say right because it's such a cliche (laughs) Um, but I I definitely remember my second postpartum more clearly than the first one, because the first one just felt like a deluge. I just felt like I was constant waves were crashing over me. The pace of change is so fast too. the baby is changing really quickly. Your Mm -hmm. body is changing really quickly. There's always something new to figure out. And I found that incredible 
incredibly exhausting. Like the information overload that it takes to be a new mom Mm -hmm. of Googling this question to see, you know, are they eating enough? Are they pooping enough? Should their poop be this color? Oh my gosh, I need to schedule that doctor's appointment. I don't know how to make this baby monitor work. It all feels very high stakes. Yeah, it does. It all feels like life or death. Uh And as a highly sensitive person, information overload is really hard for me. And so learning, I also had to in that phase. And as I came out of that fog, I sort of emerged learning to trust myself, Mm. which is a hard lesson. Yeah. Did you have expectations of what motherhood was going to look like or like that you would have instincts that would kick in? I was very much afraid that the maternal instinct had skipped over me because I didn't really want kids my whole life. That was a relatively recent development for me um, when I was sort of a young adult and marrying my husband really solidified it for me, for sure. Um, But I think because I wasn't the kind of child who always dreamed about becoming a mom, I always dreamed about my career. I was very concerned that. I wouldn't enjoy motherhood. I knew that I wanted kids, like I said, eventually, but I was afraid that I wouldn't enjoy actually being a mom, especially a mom to young kids. And as difficult as those first few months were, I also absolutely loved it. I was shocked at how quickly I felt this very fierce love for my daughter. And then I would say over time, it became sort of more and more tender, especially as I saw her personality mm-hmm. emerging. So what other what other struggles came up for you that were unexpected that threw you off from feeling in control? I mean, other than the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So what I didn't expect the first time around was The physical and the emotional trauma, which sounds pretty general, but like I didn't, I knew that I would be recovering from childbirth for a while, especially, you know, after pushing and stitches and all that. Mm -hmm. But it never dawned on me that all childbirth, even if it's a C-section and you don't think about like the pushing phase because, because of pregnancy, like all childbirth is pelvic trauma and it takes a long time to heal. You know, I saw my friends up and about and moving around and taking pictures on social media a few days, a few weeks postpartum. And I was like, I can still barely sit down at times. And so mm-hmm. I ended up with a couple of, or one, one childbirth injury um, beyond my stitches that took a long time to heal. And mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like myself physically. I was in pain for quite a long time for the better part of that first year. And I'm so glad that I had a wonderful OBGYN because when I brought this up to her at my six or eight week check, whatever that was, she immediately referred me to pelvic floor physical therapy and a colorectal doctor who could help me. And it was because of the teamwork of the three of them that they got me into a better place physically, which got me into a much better place emotionally. And then Mm. down the road allowed me to entertain the idea of more kids. So then the emotional side is I, I have struggled with anxiety and depression for much of my life. And so I thought, of course, I'm going to have PPD and probably PPA, but 
I felt so, despite how hard it was, I felt so blissful and so much love for my baby in those first few months that I was like, oh, I guess it skipped over me. I'm fine. Everything's good. And then the signs started creeping in and I very much ignored them because I feel Mm. like there's this, um, this myth around postpartum depression and other mood disorders that, you know, you're in bed, you can't get Mm. out of bed, you're depressed, you're crying, you're not connected to your baby. That was a big one. Like you're not connected to your baby. Maybe you're thinking about harming the baby or some, you know, yeah, this feeling of disconnection. And I didn't feel that. I felt deeply connected and in love with my baby. What I felt was a deep sense of rage when I couldn't make her do what I wanted her to do primarily. And because I was angry, I thought, well, this maybe this is just a really ugly manifestation of my personality. When in yeah. reality, rage is a telltale sign of postpartum depression. And so that went undiagnosed in my in my first pregnancy or in my first postpartum and fortunately that allowed me to be on high alert with my second that the minute it popped up i already had a therapist on call set up some appointments okay. with her and got going with that good for you way to be proactive <laughs> thanks it's so critical to having a successful relationship and mental health period and, you know, postpartum healing, it is so multifaceted. You have to physically heal, you have to emotionally be processing, and you have to like mentally be in a good headspace. And there's so many things working against all of those areas uh, in that stage of life. It's very difficult to feel like you have any level of like rising above the water because you're just trying to keep your head, you know, up to, to breathe. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly right. It takes pretty much all of our energy to go day to day. What's left for us to actually grow. Right. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. If, especially if you don't have a village or any other, mm-hmm. you know, support system already, um, in place. So I'm glad to hear that you made some, you know, put some discipline and structure in there for your second so that you could set yourself up for success. So what was the biggest difference between your first and your second? I think I went into my second with, well, okay. So the biggest difference is that my second is a remarkably easier baby. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) discount that, that my first was, and I didn't know any better because she was my first, but she was incredibly challenging. She was very discontent as a baby is still my strong-willed girl. And my second, my son, has been easygoing from day one. Like, my husband and I would just look at each other and laugh about the how content he was and how little he cried and the things that would set our daughter off that just don't set him off, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fine. I am learning to fully appreciate and embrace who each of them is. But if you had put them side by side as babies, it just, it's so stark. (laughs) So that was a huge contributor. Yeah. Um, Did you know what to expect with your first? Because I mean, if it's your first baby, did you know that she was a harder baby? Or did you just think that that was normal? I thought that it was normal to an extent. 
But I did ask, you know, I asked my friends, is this normal? I asked my mom, is this normal? Is, is she a hard baby? And they all said, yeah, like she's, I mean, she's normal. She's fine. Mm -hmm. There's nothing exceptionally troubling. She didn't have colic or medical issues or anything like that, but she's just a hard baby. And when I had my sec, especially because I saw moms around me who had much easier babies. And I just, I saw it, you know, when we would get together for play dates or outings or whatever, um, I was always the one having to excuse myself with my crying child and mm. they did not. And so of course, since it was my first experience, I thought, what did I do? Did I do right. something to her? Did I not hold her enough when she was a newborn? Did I not wear her enough? Did I... I, you know, you ask yourself any number of ridiculous sounding questions to try to figure it out. And it's mm -hmm. like, kids are just wired differently. They just have different temperaments. And I could tell from literally day one that my son was a different baby, like from the hospital. You could just tell right away that he had an easygoing personality. Mm -hmm. um, and so with him, I also feel like I went into it feeling more empowered in who I was as a mother because I wasn't brand new to this anymore. You know, with my daughter, it was really helpful for me to remember that however old she was, that's the same age that I was as a mother. Mm. Like I, I was 28 years old, but I was only a one week old mother. I was only a two month old mother. I was only a one year old mother. I was learning alongside her. And so entering motherhood, even though each child really is different, and I could have gotten a more difficult baby the second time around, but entering motherhood with four years of experience under my belt felt very different because I knew that I could do it. I knew that I was cut out for it. I knew that I would figure him out and I would figure us out and that we would get through the most intense challenges of mm -hmm. the coming weeks and the coming months. And again, just that perspective that everybody tells you the first time around, this will pass, this will pass with babies. Everything is a phase and it just doesn't feel like that the first time. Cause you don't have any proof points yet. You haven't ever gotten to the other side of right. really any of these challenges and you haven't reached that sort of magical one year mark when things start, it's the pace magical. of change starts yes. to ease up. <laughs> but having been through it before, I knew not what to expect with this particular baby, but I knew that each phase would come to an end and that it would get progressively easier, that I would feel more and more like myself. And I just felt like I could trust myself more and I could trust the process more. And that mm -hmm. perspective was a game changer. Yeah, that's beautiful. Unfortunately, I don't know how to get it you know, package it up and give it to first time moms. It right? feels like the only way to that perspective is through it. But man, I wish I could give that as a baby shower gift. Yeah. Oh, that we, we would all have a leg up then. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that you tried to, to sprinkle a little bit of what you could into your book then. How did you, how did that come about for you? I feel like in pregnancy, women are given this script that we, need to be only joyful and grateful and other emotions are largely unacceptable. 
And even though I was overjoyed and so unbelievably grateful, especially early in my pregnancy, I also felt an immediate sense of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and uncertainty about myself as a mother and just concern over what was going to happen in the coming months and years as I transitioned to motherhood. And as I began to look for places to process those complicated emotions, pretty much the only literature I could find on pregnancy at the time was the what to expect when you're expecting kind of books, books that really serve a purpose, but they sort of treat your pregnancy as a medical condition and not as this life altering transformation that you're going through as you become a mom. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted was somebody not in a how-to kind of way, but in a storytelling way, just invite me along on the journey and help me make sense of what was happening and remind me that it's okay to feel really complicated things because this is a big transition and that all of it has a place in pregnancy and that so much of what we're going through is shaping us into new people. Like we are not only growing children through pregnancy, we are becoming whole new people ourselves. And so when I couldn't find the book that I was looking for, I thought I knew I wanted to write a book someday. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this is it. And I just started taking tons and tons of notes on my pregnancy, basically by the week, tracking every little physical change, every emotional change, every big feeling, small feeling, big idea, sort of my experience with some of the public facing milestones that come with pregnancy, like the baby showers and the nursery planning and the registry and all of that, not knowing that I couldn't make sense of it while I was living it. And after a couple of years of motherhood, I revisited those notes and tried to shape them into something that I thought would be helpful to hand off to a new mom. Again, not in a how-to kind of way, but in a here's my story, I hope you see yourself in it too kind of way. Mm, I love that. I think we learn so much through stories, which is why I feature them here. And, you know, it's part of the heart of this podcast as well is, you know, you need to know that your experience is not in isolation and that you're not alone and that it is normal and your feelings do have a place. And we're most validated by that by hearing another mom's story that we can say, oh, me too. I think that's so powerful. And being able to have something so practical and, uh, you know, specific to that season when, you know, you're just hormonally and emotionally and like with that fear, just all over the place, being able to have someone hold your hand. Um, I recently heard of the term that likens the um, early years of motherhood to an adolescent period. And they called it like matricent, matrescence or something like matricence. Oh. It was some like term that basically yeah. meant like, it's like a growing period. You have the same growing pains as like puberty in becoming a mom. And I was like, yes, why don't we talk about that more? Because that is so true. But you don't ex go into it expecting that. So it, it very much catches you off guard when you feel so uncomfortable and so like you don't know what you're doing when you just feel like it like it's supposed to be an instinct that just clicks on. 
what? Yeah, and it's very scary, right? <laughs> yeah. To be going through this growing process and to know that so much of it is going to be trial and error and figuring it out when suddenly you are responsible for the life of another human. Like, I can't screw this up too badly, right? Like, I yeah. need to... I need to get it right. right. Um, and of course, there are lots of ways that we can get it right. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like so much pressure in that moment that like, I don't want to figure this out as I go. I want to get it right from the beginning because I love this child so much. Right. And I feel this intense sense of responsibility for him or her. Right. And I, when I was just talking to uh, another gal last night on a, on her podcast and we were talking about how, you know, especially our generation of parents are usually trying to use new tools that we weren't, you know, parented with and are trying to learn and master things that we probably haven't before, like boundaries and emotional literacy and, you know, regulating big emotions and doing things differently. And it very much feels like the way that you have to learn those things in order to implement them and then teach them is very much like you are driving the car while you're building the car and teaching your child how to drive the car. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so true. And it right? is so validating to hear somebody say it that way. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And also I'm not trained in engineering. So Right. No, yeah. With no with no prior <laughs> degree yeah, no or prior experience knowledge. in building cars. Yeah. <laughs> So no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so does that resonate with your experience then of, of uh, your daughter's like strong-willed personality of trying to figure out how to parent her? It absolutely does. And I think, so my parents took a very sort of empathy-based approach with us mm-hmm. when I was young. And so there was a lot that I could draw on. I think the biggest challenge was that I was just very much a rule-following kid. I was an easy baby for my mom, and I was quiet and shy and incredibly compliant. I did not always comply in my head, but I was – I sort of approached the world with this sense of fear that I would do the wrong thing. And so Mm -hmm. I was very eager to comply which honestly creates its own set of problems, right? As, as we grow into adults who always comply. Um, mm-hmm. But my daughter was quite the opposite. And so because she was so different from me, I mean, she was so similar with that stubborn streak. It's just that I always say that she lives out in her body and in her emotions and in the world. She lives what on the outside, what was always my interior world that I was afraid to express. And so where I felt like somebody needed to turn up the dial on me as a child, what she needs is not, not to turn the dial down, but somebody to help her harness and use that will and that emotional capacity for good. Mm-hmm. And just to channel it appropriately, right? Because like our emotions don't have to be good. It's okay to feel what we feel mm-hmm. um, and experience the world the way we do. But she definitely needs somebody to help her process. And so because I was just such a different child from her, I had a hard time figuring it out. And then sort of The other factor was that a lot of my closest friends 
were parenting in a way that felt very different from my personality and the way that I wanted to engage with my daughter and sort of the way that I thought she needed to be parented. And so I felt like, okay, what I see working for lots of other people doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel good to like that mother's intuition that's taking root Mm -hmm. inside me. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of in a fragile place with that intuition at first, right? Because like you said, it's not, it's new, it's fresh, it's being built over time. It's not just this thing that you flip a light switch and you have perfect mother's intuition in full force. It's something that we're building. And so Mm -hmm. if we build it by listening to it and flexing that muscle, it was also a muscle that I was afraid to flex because it felt like I'm sort of going against the grain here. Mm. And I'm not sure where to go for support. I don't even know if my intuition is right. Maybe I do need to parent the way everybody is telling me to. Mm -hmm. But I have found in that moment, I realized that connection with my daughter was going to be the most important thing. And so while I didn't know the method by which I would parent her, I did know that I needed to prioritize connection first. And by knowing my core goal for her and for our relationship, that provided a really important filter for the resources I did encounter. Because I did go looking for parenting books, right? But it became so much easier to read the Amazon description of a book and say, this one's not for me. Okay, this Mm -hmm. one looks like it could be worth a try. And again, Mm -hmm. like that's a trial and error process, right? you know, learning to figure out from the endless parenting books, like what's worth keeping, what's worth trying, right? what doesn't work, what doesn't work for this kid, what does work for that kid. Exactly. Um, But again, if we can keep ourselves centered in that primary goal for our parenting and for our parent-child relationship, it makes all the difference. So when I'm in doubt, yeah, about what to do, With my daughter's meltdown, I can sense it coming on or maybe we're in it. I, it is still a knee jerk reaction for me to want to control her behavior and make the scary things stop. Mm -hmm. I want to feel like I can get her to stop doing whatever thing is making me uncomfortable and therefore I'm a good mom. But if And I don't always succeed at this, but I find that if I can take a breath and remember that goal of connection, it becomes, what can I do to connect with her in this moment when she is having an exceptionally hard time and help her to feel sort of my tender love and support over my anger? Because what's my anger going to help her in Mm -hmm. this minute? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm so imperfect with this. I lose my mind on my kids sometimes, especially... Mm -hmm. Here in COVID times, nobody yeah, is operating at their best <laughs> at their best or at their full parenting capacity. No. But I'm finding that when I remember connection, I have less of those moments where I lie awake in bed at night and think, oh, I messed that up. And sometimes that's enough to help me in those moments to think, how am I going to want to feel about this when I go to bed tonight? And sometimes mm. it's enough to override that natural impulse. Yeah. Oh, it's such an internal battle, especially if you are with with your Enneagram number one personality (laughs) uh, coming up to things with that should filter of 
this shouldn't be that hard or she should be able to do this or, you know, yeah. what they should and I should and everybody should. <laughs> um, then you're, you're, that immediately gets you stuck and you need something. You need like a mantra. You need a tool. You need things to help you rise above that to reorient, zoom out and hit pause for a second to remember what is most important and what has worked in the past and what you do need, like where your brain needs to be focusing at that moment um, before it flies off into fight or flight, you know, and it's so hard to do when you feel so uncertain of what is the right thing and what works for them and what do they need and what is going on with them and why are they mad? And just, there's so many questions um, to make you not confident in that moment as well. And I think what you said is so key of just remembering connection. Connection is the goal. If I, if I do nothing else, if I keep that as the main thing, then I, I can trust my gut. I can you like listen to what that's telling me and I can move in a direction that will serve both of us really well, even if I don't feel like I have any tools that I'm using as a strategy right now. And, and I think we get too wrapped up in, well, I just want to know what's the thing to say or like the trick, you know, to eliminate this as quick as possible. And like, there is no, you know, get rich quick, technique for eliminating our kids just growing up and being themselves and having a hard time. Um, It's much more that we have tricks for ourselves and our composure and our patience and extending that and having awareness and going through a lot of that work, which is what I do with a lot of my clients. But on the other side of, of, you know, needing that control from our kids, it's much more of a us problem than it is a them problem, (laughs) which is really hard to realize. (laughs) Yeah. And we don't like hearing that right off the bat because it seems like walking into parenting that it's just like, oh, you just know what you know what the rules are. You say no, you be consistent, and bing, bada, boom, we're good. We have good human beings, and that's just not at all as complicated as it really is. <laughs> Absolutely. What you said exactly what I was thinking, too, with when we parent from connection there is no get rich quick scheme involved with that. I mm-hmm. mean, there is no connection connection based strategy that will get you to end meltdowns in five days or potty train them in two days. Right. It is the long, long game to focus on connection and not fixing a behavior. Mm-hmm. And that has left me really discouraged at times because it has felt like some of these seasons just won't end. Like, I feel like I'm doing, in air quotes, I'm mm-hmm. doing everything right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm even being the person I want to be in these interactions. And this behavior is still really bothering me. Or yeah. this type of reaction in my child is still happening. Like, why isn't this working? And we really have to reorient ourselves to what it means for our parenting to be effective and what it means for us to be good as mothers. Because again, if the measure of my success is my kid's behavior, then no, actually my methods aren't working. But if my measure of it (laughs) is I feel connected to my child and good about our interactions, then yes, I am. I am doing exceptionally well by my own standards. And we see the success, you know, sort of the outer success 
over very long periods of time. Like my daughter is going on five and I feel like we have just turned a corner where I can see the outward fruit in who she is at preschool, her confidence with her friends, um, sort of the way she acts when we go to other people's homes and we have to like do these hard transitions to stop the fun things and get in the Mm -hmm. car and Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, all of those things that used to be really big points of friction for her for most of her life. I am just now seeing sort of the fruit of her not complying with me, but trusting me when it's, when it's time to do something that she doesn't want to do or Mm. time to move on to something else. And again, those are pretty small examples, but it, it has, it has taken a long time to get here. But now that fruit, knowing that it came from a place of connection feels and tastes so sweet to both of us. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so happy for you to be finally seeing some of that and have that sense of relief because again, we don't know what to use as our marker of success and our own standards. So we very often look to the things that seem like the report card, which is their behavior. And it does not give us the answers that uh, we need because we need to be looking at 20 years down the road. How's our relationship or 30 years down the road? How is their mental health? And like, it's really the long game. It's such a marathon that we have to just trust the process with that relationship piece being our biggest goal, because that is what I remind parents is like, that is your biggest tool of influence. And if you don't have that connected relationship, you don't have influence. So therefore we're not parenting. If you don't have influence, you're just a talking head or a, you know, annoyance or, (laughs) or, you know, like something to work around until they find belonging in other places. And so I think you are clearly doing an amazing job of of meeting your daughter's needs and knowing that, you know, that you can just connect with her and find out what it is that she needs and, and be able to be that for her, even if it, it feels very inconsistent and imperfect on your end. You know, that it's just so much of parenting is our mindset and our perspective and the way that we're seeing things. And so that has really like you've done the work there to to feel confident in that which is huge and um so if there's moms listening that are just kind of wrestling with these concepts for the first time keep doing that process reflect on what you really feel like is success for you and so that you're able to zoom out and reframe things and kind of rewire the mindset of the way that you're seeing um your child's behavior and and i can help with that but what do you really feel like you have learned or that um, you wanted to share through your book or that you feel like moms need to hear? Like if I could give you a soapbox to be like, you know, what do you feel like is your message? I think my main message for moms is so tied to what we just talked about that the measure of our motherhood isn't rooted in any specific outcome for, from us or for our, from our kids to determine like how good we are. I think the, the measure, the measuring stick we should use is the one that feels best for us. And for me, again, that really started in pregnancy because it felt like 
pregnancy was just one long to-do list. You know, you can jump on Pinterest and find the first trimester checklist might be has like 10 items. And then the second trimester checklist has 20. Then you get into the third trimester and it's just like this (laughs) explosion of things that need things that need to get done, tasks that we need to check off in order to be ready to be good moms. And I think that can carry over into parenting if we let it that good moms do X, Y, and Z. And I just really want to flip the script on that and say, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are and who you're becoming. That motherhood Mm -hmm. is this constant process of evolution. We don't go through the changes of pregnancy and the changes of that first year, and then we've got it all figured out. Even like I was saying with my daughter, I feel like we've, we're sort of ushering ourselves into this new phase as she turns five, but I'm under no illusions that it's going to be smooth sailing from here. Like we're Mm -hmm. just going to take on the next phase together. And I have now that connection and that trust as our foundation to keep building upon. But again, I wish that there were a way for me to give this to moms without them having to really walk through it for themselves the hard way. But I think all of pregnancy and all of motherhood, and I don't want to single out pregnancy here either because there are so many ways that women become moms. And so many of those ways involve difficulty and pain and transition and waiting. So I think that this can be true for us however we become moms. But it's it's the work that it does on our souls and on our sort of our, the pain points that we present to the world, whether we present with control or challenging or maybe passivity. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that we sort of approach challenges and transitions in ways that are less than ideal. But by leaning into the hardest parts of the change, we honor what we're going through and we grow and we transform into people that we've never been before. And that can be really, really scary. And it can also be exceptionally beautiful because we are growing right alongside our kids. And that also means that we don't have to have it figured out from the very beginning. We get to keep learning and growing, like Mm -hmm. I said, alongside our kids and as somebody who is a perfectionist, that is the gentlest and most gracious invitation that I could ever accept for myself. Mm, I love that so much. That is gold. Thank you. <laughs> hard, hard one. And I don't live up to it every day. I still hold myself to impossible standards, but I have gotten better at the self-talk and the self-compassion that's required. to, to bring myself down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, we all are on an evolution of working on that. So I think no matter where you're at in your motherhood journey, you can take that challenge and, you know, and kind of check yourself on how you're doing in that area. Cause it's again, so important because that is something that is an us problem that we can work through and do. And there's, there's a lot of hope for change And it is scary because it feels so uncomfortable. Like I always joke with entrepreneurship, like in order for me to be successful, I have to do everything I have to do is something that I've never done before. And 
yes, that's exciting and thrilling and there's success on the other side of that, but, but it doesn't make it any easier. (laughs) And like the imposter syndrome doesn't go away. And I think that's exactly what motherhood is like too, where you are challenged day after day to do something you've never done before. And we can, you know, shy away from that for a while, but really I think that our kids are here to challenge us to step up to the challenge and, you know, learn alongside them and have the humility to apologize when we mess up and wake up the next day and try again. And there's so much that we both learn from that, that it's just part of the journey. Yeah, that's so true. Every time I do get it wrong, there's a chance for repair and humility mm-hmm. and a million other lessons too right. for both me and my <laughs> child. So yeah. really, it's a win-win It's a win-win. when I get it right and when I get it wrong. Exactly. So tell us more about your book and how moms can connect with you further. Sure. My book is called Expecting Wonder, The Transformative Experience of Becoming a Mother. And that's a memoir of my first pregnancy in particular. I sort of set it up in very short essay length chapters, knowing that it's an intense time. And uh, I wanted to make it as easy to read as possible and kind of centered around, like we were saying before, those public facing pregnancy milestones that sometimes feel like to-do list items Mm -hmm. and tried to flip those on their heads to get at sort of the deeper meaning while also tracing the thread of evolving and transforming and becoming a mother. So um, I think, and I hope that that will be helpful for expecting moms and, you know, new moms who are still trying to make sense of that season of their Mm -hmm. lives. Um, So needed. And thank you. You can find that at uh, expecting wonder. That's the name of the book. <laughs> you can find that on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, target.com, all the major online retailers. Nice. And if you want to connect more day to day, I love hanging out on Instagram at brittanyalbergman.com. And I also send a weekly email called armchair chats, where I just share like the little things that I would love to tell you over coffee, things I'm learning and reading and listening to. And actually, when you sign up for my Armchair Chats newsletter, I'll send you my self-care planner for busy moms. It's like a little quick tool to help you identify the obstacles that are holding you back from self-care and a plan, make a plan to prioritize the self-care that is most meaningful to you. Mm, again, so needed. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So that brings us to the last question that I ask every guest, which is how are you the mom that your kids need? I think that I'm the mom that I, the the mom that my kids need for sort of two of the reasons we talked about. Um, One is that I seek to connect before I correct. And because I take care of myself and I show them how I take care of myself, I talk about what fuels me at work. I, it's a challenge, but I read in front of them. Even if I'm only able to get in one or two pages, I love it when they see me choosing to sit down and read. Um, and I think that I'm the mom that my kids need because yeah, they see me meeting my own needs too. I love that. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. I think it's so empowering for our kids to see 
us take care of ourselves because that empowers them to be able to do the same. And they need that. They learn way more through our actions than our words, especially when it comes to those like subconscious things. So So kudos to you. Good job. (laughs) You get a gold star in motherhood and uh, they are so lucky to have you. And thank you so much for your willingness to share Um, your memoir of your experiences so that you can better empower other moms and to work through their anxiety and their fear. But also just thanks for your time in sharing with us. And I just feel like we um, talked about so many things that will be um, so valuable for our listeners. So I just appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you. I really hope that this is helpful and encouraging. And thank you for all that you're doing too, to encourage and support and strengthen parents. We need it. We need it now more than ever. Now more than ever, for sure. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you. Everything Brittany said is just so timeless and true of the motherhood experience and the gems that we learn through the years of our growth and uh, becoming more and more uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) And that's really what it comes down to. But I hope this episode gave you exactly what you needed to hear. And I hope that you will share it with a friend that also needs to know they are not alone with this experience. So I really, really appreciate all the support. Leave a review if you haven't yet. Join my mailing list if you haven't done that already. Um, And download a free guide to managing the big emotions our kids have at parentingwholeheartedly.com slash emotions. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. I believe in you and I'm cheering you on. Thank you.